Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Wood. My guest today is Elizabeth Schneider. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Elizabeth's podcast, because you're a podcaster, is called Wine for Normal People. And now your husband normally introduces the show. What does he add to that intro? He says he is a wine-loving no- wine normal person. That's a great so, way to put it, though, because he is, isn't he? He's like he really He's your is. sparring partner in, li- in love and life and podcasting and... Indeed, indeed. So how did your podcast come about? Probably mostly by mistake, (laughs) like many things in life. I had started a blog because this was in 2009. I had just left this big hulking winery that I... Which will remain nameless. It always remains nameless. It's still floating though, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not going anywhere. It's just getting bigger and bigger. Anyway, it was... What did you do for them? I was in marketing. I have an MBA, master's in business. And Just slip that one in. No, no. So I went there. I went there after. That was like the only way I could get a job there. Otherwise, how would I get into wine? Wine is like this black box, you but know? did you want to get into it? You did your master's. Why didn't you kind of get a proper job like in a proper industry rather than wine? I had the choice between pills, cars, and wine, and I chose wine. Really? Yeah, so pills, I had three Yeah, is that great? That's not, like, not that's to, the niche for me. Not to be taken in combination. Uh, maybe. Maybe I should have just... So you ended up working for a wine company? I did, and I was in their marketing department, and I was so excited when I started. I was like, wow, this is going to be great, because I had been on the other side of the wine equation as a consumer. I worked in technology for a long time, and I was so confused all the time about wine and why I kept walking into wine shops and people treated me like I was a moron. Because you're a woman? No, because they treat everybody like a moron. If you don't know anything about wine, you go into a wine shop, they treat everybody like a moron. So, at least in the States, I don't know how it is anywhere else. And uh, it felt bad. And so, then I took a class that helped me understand better, oh, gosh, there's something else here. So, then I was like, oh, gosh, I can get into the wine industry. Maybe I can help other people. I can help consumers understand wine better. No, 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 no. In large wine, that's not what it's about. It's about numbers, and it's about forecasting, and it's about big products and chemicals and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, it's it wasn't what I thought. So, so It wasn't a very happy experience, but it did spur you to change track even though staying in the same same industry but change track and, and see it from another side right yeah so then I started this blog and then somebody besides called, my, called? wine for normal people and uh, somebody besides my mother started reading it so then I talked to a friend by accident was it someone by accident I'm sure, Some random. Accident. I'm sure it was accident so then my friend said why don't you start a podcast and I was like what the hell is a podcast this is in 2011 well 2010 when he proposed the idea he's like let's do it together so my friend Rick if you listen to the early episodes and I started this show. I knew nothing about how to edit. I knew nothing about how to do anything really about sound quality. And we just did it. We just we just did the podcast. So what, would you, what was your first episode? Uh, I believe it was, what's the difference between a variety and a varietal? Really? That's quite a tough one. Not really. I mean, really. What is the difference between a variety and a varietal? There is no difference between it. Varietals. So I was a bit worried there. Oh, yeah. gosh, my career is going to end. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. There is no difference. That was the difference. So it's education and fun. Yep. In terms of uh, how, how do you structure a podcast with your husband? I prefer to do the... I do interview podcasts, but it's very hard sometimes to to get people to, to talk. To get guests. Yes. No, it's easy to get guests. It's hard to get them, get the good 
chemistry that you need to have a really good show. But with my husband, I don't tell him anything that we're talking about. And so before you start, he doesn't know what you're going to ask. Absolutely nothing. Nothing knows nothing about the topic. Knows nothing about what's going on. So it's he really is a normal person then. He really is a normal person. I spend hours and hours prepping for it, and then you do, and he doesn't. No, he has a real job. What does he do? <laughs> He's in real estate. Okay. So he, yeah, so I spend all these hours prepping, I do all this research, and then I'm, we just go, we just record, so typical, usually sipping whatever we're talking about. So no, a typical podcast, they're about sort of 40 minutes sometimes? Yeah, 45 minutes, Have a little yeah. bit of a pause, um, sort of halfway through? Yes, yep. We have to and he's very patient, time. isn't he? <laughs> so I don't know how to phrase that in a, in a, in a, in a he is though, because he, he is the geek, he's the sort of the, the everyman. He, he actually yeah. really is, because for instance, you know, I have to send him shopping right now for Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving in the United States. And we're texting back and forth about what he should get. I give him a detailed list and he goes, where should I go? What should I do? How do I get these wines? This is after all this time. He's completely dependent on me to do these kinds of things. So he he knows more than most, but he's still very insecure about his knowledge, which is great for the show, actually. Yeah, right, because he's real. He, he really is. I mean, uh, those people who have had the opportunity to meet him say he's, he's just like he is on the show. He really is. So have you ever um, taken your recording equipment outside the family home and, and gone to record wine, wine producers? Or is it going to be... Yeah. yeah? So yes. what happens there? How do, you, how, do you get, how do you do that? Technically? Or how do no, I... No, as in who do you choose to go and interview? And it's, how long does it take to set up? Are people quite finickety in America about, oh my God, I'm going to be recorded. I could make a boo-boo and uh, my brand crashes and burns? Or? No. Well, first of all, it's all edited if, if it happens that way. And second of all, I only interview small producers who I think are doing good work. So it's a lot easier. It's people that I... I know it's people I'm friends with. I don't have people, I get PR pitches a lot to do things on the show and I don't take them. Um, very rarely, if there's something that catches my eye that I've been thinking about, I will take them. But the answer is if you're a PR person and you come to me and say, I really would like this person on the show, the answer is no. Somehow, you know, just going to events and, and reading about people, that's how I will get people on the show. And yes, when I go outside, it's generally, I've met the person, we've spoken. Like I was just in Barolo and Barbaresco and I will have all those people on remotely. I'll have them on Skype, but I had to meet them all before I decided who was going to come on. So you can record them via Skype then for a podcast? Yeah. Well, that's great. Very easy. And it's it's actually, a lot of times it's better that way because they're not nervous. They're in their native environment, basically. And so they feel more comfortable. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. They're on home turf. Yeah. They don't feel as, you know, like, here's this person sitting in front of me. And also, you know, if they mess up or there's a pause they know it's fine yeah those are just get edited out doesn't it yeah yeah especially if it's in a different language I always try to send the questions ahead of time so that people can think about it and sometimes You're super organized yes well beyond that I also I, I try to be but I also feel like the podcast is not about a gotcha moment you know it's about like let's try to teach people what you're doing and how you work and that you're doing good work and that I, again I don't showcase people I think are full of crap so okay yeah. so do you get I mean, in terms of feedback from your listeners, say wine students um, wanting, not, they listen to a Piemonte podcast, so they write to you and say, hey, it was a great podcast. Can you talk more about the winemaking or a bit more about the, the, the technical side? Or No. Right? Well, most of the people that listen are regular people. They're normal people. So so they're just happy to have new information and learn new things. You know, These people are learners. They're, they're lifelong learners. And they really are. They have other jobs and other things. Now, some of them are in wine. I'm not sure what percentage that is, but I don't think it's the couple times that I've done surveys before. It has. It's not that many. But those people that are in the industry that listen to the show, 
are listening for different reasons. They, th- what they, they get are threads and they can go follow those threads. But for people to enjoy wine, they have to understand some certain basics. So for instance, you know, about Barolo, all of the different soil types, the different expositions and all of those kinds of things, that's going to be what I will talk about. And I will talk about the MGAs, which I were very confusing before I actually went there. Okay, an MGA is a... The, I'm not going to say it, you're, you men, speak Italian. Uh, Menzione Geografica Aggiuntiva, which is right. like a named site within a, uh, an area or a commune. Yeah, and like it's a, a soil one. map, basically. Yeah. That's all it is. That's, that's I wish that they had just called it a soil map in English. It probably yes. would have been easier. Um, <laughs> it's Italian. Yeah, know. Whenever someone says about, you know, we've got a lot of MGAs, and you think, oh, it's almost like the military's talking to me. <laughs> so, it really so, feels... Rather than bucolic Piemonte or, or the Marche or whatever. It, it's Oh, so they have them in the Marche also? Yeah, well, yeah it's a thing that you, all over it, so you can have a, you oh. know, They have to apply to show that the um, area in question has got a historic name, and there's a reason for it having a historic name, and it's a bit different to Aurora's, and then you can get one. It's just kind of crazy. They we can buy one on Amazon. On just get the, it's gonna be an MGA for my uh, my Brunello. Honestly, know. it's like okay, you have MGAs, you have DOCs, DOCGs. It's not great for marketing. I gotta say, <laughs> it's really do, difficult. Do you ever see yourself going going back into the big bad world of um, the corporate side? No, I will never do that. I can't see. I mean, I would do consulting, but not for corporate. I would only do it for small wineries. You know, I do something on the business side for sure, just because. Again, my main driver is to help people, and I don't. I neither think those people need my help, nor do I think they would take it. So uh, would I help small producers or medium-sized producers do things better and help understand consumers only if it would help the consumer? Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of a weird motivation. Are you saying that the bigger companies see you as a bit of a threat because you, no? Yeah, uh, they not don't a threat, care about in, me. No, no, as in, you know, if you turn up for an interview, they go, oh, you, you bad man with the big guys. And yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I would. I don't think I could get a job at one of those big companies, but I, nor would I apply or want one. You know, I think that, that again, they don't work in the way that I think is, is, I guess there's a place for them since they're still in business, but that's just not what I do or what I think is okay. Yeah, they're not going to go away, so we've got we to gotta use the fact that they are there. Yeah, well, they're, I mean, they run the world, right? So I think, I think actually the opposite is that instead of saying we We've got to get used to the fact that they're there. I think we have to get used to supporting small producers so that we make sure they stay vital and don't get eaten up by all the large producers, which is bad for wine. It's bad, bad, bad for wine if all the small producers go away so, yeah, for sure. and, and but, get eaten. But they, I don't think they will. I mean, I think um, you know, it's the 80, I don't know, the 80 20 equation, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, mean, America, I mean, California does seem to have quite a, it has got the, some of the biggest wineries in the world. I know you're not actually yeah. in California. I mean, do you ever go out and about in, um, in your neck of the woods interviewing? Wine, winemakers or not? Yes, in Virginia, if outside, outside of Washington D.C., I do a bunch. Where I live, I live in North Carolina. The the wine scene. I'm not convinced that the terroir is correct. So that's. That's just my personal, great for them for doing it and for trying. It's not my preference, but in Virginia, a little bit farther north, they're doing some really great things. And also New York, which is where I'm originally from, on Long Island, that's where I'm originally from, and the Finger Lakes, doing some interesting so things. All the, all the regions you mentioned, well, most of them have all got bodies of water quite near them. Near them they? Not Virginia. Virginia doesn't. That's the only one that doesn't, yeah. right? Um, right. Virginia Finger Lakes is made off of those deep, deep lakes. It's really fascinating. Long Island, of course, couldn't do it without Why the did you move places. then? How did you, what was the reason for moving? Was it love? It's expensive. Oh, really? <laughs> 
<laughs> so I love nobody, but it was. Um, well, I've lived all over the place too. I'm kind of a nomad. So I, you know, grew up on Long Island and then went to college in Connecticut. Lived in Boston. That's when I had all those wine experiences. Moved to St. John for eight months. Then went to school in North Carolina. That's how I realized. So what was your What there. was your major? For university. Uh, university. Do? I was a political science major. Really. Inter- international political science. I studied international trade unions. Yes. Actually, it's become quite. It's quite handy now. International trade unions. Yeah, that was what my. Uh, so you're quite into sort of overthrowing the oligarchy, aren't you? No, actually, I uh, I think I believe that the final you know supposition is that people only join the EU for their own self-interest, you know, and and Mercosur and all of the other things. They they only join so that they can forward their interests, and I believe that we're seeing that right now. That's coming to bear. Really, well, in terms of trade associations and well, look at what's going on with the EU and Brexit, yeah. Brexit, and then you know there's some other grumblings about people not being happy with the EU because it's not serving their interests anymore. So. So you think? Um, I mean, what's your view on that? In terms, I mean, in terms of wine, obviously in Europe it's kind of makes trade very, very easy. Yeah. And obviously in the UK we're net importers of wine. We we grow very little of it. And um, so but you made some wine there, didn't you? I did. Yeah, uh, I did. Yes, I did. I, I know that. It was about four bottles of, of uh, Petion Naturel. Yeah, it was a biodynamic <laughs> Petion Naturel, the first one in um, in the UK. But that was. Um, it was a long time ago, and we're not, we're not here to talk about me, we're here to talk about you. So how do you see the future, both on a personal level and with your podcast? I mean, how do you, in terms of funding, is it sustainable, um, or is it an add value to what you do in um, other aspects of your professional life? No, I mean, the podcast is the spoke of the wheel. It's everything, everything comes out of the podcast. So spoke I just of the wheel, that's yes. a great one. Huh? Yeah, so I have, I, I... I wound or the hub of the wheel, I guess, is what it is, not the spoke. The, the, the yeah, one spoke, you're not going to get very far. No, well, I mean, maybe that's, <laughs> the problem. Maybe that's my problem. I need to get well, I just wrote a book, right? So the book is, book is Wine for Normal People, um, and the book has is being very well received, which is great in America, at least. And so that is, that's going well. Um, so and, what, what, how was that structured, roughly? Uh, that was structured over eight years. And, and you have in a, terms of the actual book, what am I going to It took me eight years to, eight years to do to it. To write so, the index. Yes, to to write the whole index. Yeah, just the, you know, to write, it's a three, it's 150,000 words. It's a big book. Um, so basically, I looked at what was going on in the wine world. Again, you know, my, I'm constantly focused on people. I'm, I'm not focused on the producer side. I'm always focused on who's, who's receiving it on the other end. Always thinking about that. So the podcast has my voice. It's a very distinctive voice. It's opinionated. And no. it's, I know, it's not <laughs> shocking. And it, and it's very straight talking. I mean, I'm, you know, a Jewish New Yorker. What do you want from me? You know, this is so, so basically I took, it took a long time to write because I wanted every section, every page to be written basically exactly how I do the podcast. So you kind of have to be, especially when you have like over that course of eight years, I had two kids and sometimes you're very tired, you know? So it took a long time to write because it's, it's had to be each section had to sort of be in the right voice, but it seems to have worked. So basically, you know, the first part is vocabulary, and I think wine is two things. If you know vocabulary and geography, you got it. That's okay. pretty much it. So tasting vocabulary, vineyard vocabulary, what's kind of good words, what's bad words in wine when critics use these terms, what does it actually mean? And then I go through all the regions, all the regions. What, in, uh, all over the, not all over the world, surely? All over the world. Really? All over the world, yes. From, I mean, I'm, I even go into a little bit of detail on Georgia and Lebanon and the UK, uh, Canada and the New World. So yes, everything has has its place. Of course, the things that are, you know, Italy is a big section, Spain's a big section, France is huge. And that 
to me was important because if, again, I'm looking at it from the perspective of what do I do with this book? If I'm going to go shopping after I read this book, will I be able to shop for a wine after? So every section was looked at like that. Could I go into a store after reading this and go buy something? And will it be true to whatever I, as the author Elizabeth just said? So that was that was the lens. And then this, the the last part of the book is about food and wine pairing. Can ask about that? Yeah. yeah so, yes, and how to shop for wine, which I also think is really important. Go on, give me some tips. I used to love working uh, in wine shops, by the way. Okay. People walk in, they literally there's thousands of bottles of wine. They just don't know what. They know they need to walk out the with stress. a bottle, but they have no idea what they're going to end really up with. That's really funny. It's like you just wrote that chapter for me. That's exactly no. what I say. Um, I actually literally said that in the book I mean really so um, but I mean we used to come in I used to they, they say oh god my, you got like two thousand we had like three thousand words and we've only got six we've got pink ones red ones white ones fizzy ones and <laughs> and, ones. and ones that will get you drunk incredibly quickly like <laughs> sherry and port that's it <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, and so that's, that's the practical way to look at it. But of course, you know, what other product looks exactly the same and you can't try it. And it's really, really difficult and it's expensive. There's a lot of treasure involved. So, you know, what do you do? So yeah, I say, be first of all, learn. That's the first thing, because no one's going to teach you in a wine shop. You're not gonna be able to learn that way. You've got to do some background reading. You got to put in the time. You got to put in the work. Not that much work, but a little bit of work. And then you've got to be promiscuous. Wine shop dating. Super important. Just just run that one by me again. You can't just date one wine shop. You can't go into one wine shop and be like, this is my wine shop. You have to have more than one wine shop. You've got to be a little bit, you've got to find some people. Like clothes shopping, right? You, know, you don't buy all your clothes in one store. Exactly, because right? everybody has different selections, and you then you wind up also with the people that are there, you wind up getting into a rut, and that's not good. The, the most important thing is I never say drink you mean what they you take like. you for granted after a while? Nah, no, no, not necessarily. That was sometimes that too, but more that they just, they're like, okay, well, you are the Syrah guy. Every time you come in, I'm going to give you Syrah or something like Syrah. So maybe in the other store, you're the Pinot guy. So, you know, you, you like Pinot Noir. So you like, or you're like Schiava or whatever. So you should never only be with one wine shop. I think that that's, that's one of the, the most important things. And then also make sure you know why you're going into the store because exactly the problem that you had. Before you go into the store, you should always ask yourself, why am I here? If you don't have an answer for that. You mean like you need a bottle of wine for dinner or you need a bottle of wine for a present or a wedding or I don't You know. got it. That's right. It will take the stress off immediately. Also, if you can decide whether you want one of those six types, what you can cut out, you know, what's sparkling, you're not going to be wandering around that section, are you? I'll tell you what's interesting about what you're saying, and this seems a bit banal, but for me it's really, really important, is the industry often is so focused on the nuances of terroir and the back end, right, the production and the yes. factory floor, right? When we don't have an industry unless people walk into wine stores. That's right. And buy bottles of wine, or they go online and buy bottles of wine. So, so what you're doing basically keeps us all in business it's true though isn't it I mean that's you know, helping you know, making making that purchase moment which is terrifying I mean you know I, I have to sometimes go and buy stuff in stores and stuff I don't know anything or like a carburetor or something for the car. I have no idea oh yeah you know? and, it, and, and we have to understand that for a lot of people wine is as bamboozling as that it's terrifying and it is again there's something at stake I mean unless you're buying like a three yeah. euro bottle of wine yeah, so there's money and also if you end up with the wrong bottle or, or you know you think you're buying a dry white wine and it's actually a really sweet white wine and it was a present or something you, you, oh it's you, humiliating it right? looks like you didn't care right you didn't yeah. you didn't think through what the person it's like you, you don't know me you bought this bottle of wine that I, I you know I hate sweet wine right yeah you know. it's, it, it is um, I mean I think we owe something to consumers my my I guess my role in the in the wine industry is just to try to help people and that's what I'll keep doing until I 
can't afford to do it anymore, I guess. <laughs> well, you could lay off your husband. Is he quite a big big expense on the payroll? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's actually the funder of the whole... Is you he? Know, yeah, well, I mean, he's in real estate and I'm in wine, so, you okay, know, do the math there, yeah. yeah. And how is the real estate market going? It's, always, it's just always... Crazy. Yeah, it's just... I mean, he is the ultimate risk taker, you know? The guy just... It, I can't... I would never be able to do that. It's just too risky. Well, he no, buys no, himself. High risk, high risk, high reward. Ah, sort of. It's he's sort of an intermediary. He does some zoning things. And but you've never done that. like you've never like bought wine as an investment, bought some and then sold it a few years later, or have you? No, 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 no I don't. Not, do your, that. not your scene. No. no, definitely not. I mean, none of that is my scene. I've worked for people. I've helped people with their sellers before, and then told them that they should probably sell ninety percent of their sellers because people buy California wine and then they just hold it forever. And I'm like, you got like two more years on this. You've yeah. had this for so long. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be skunked. Yeah. Yeah, skunked. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think we're done. All right. Well, Anything wonderful. else you want to say? No. Uh, uh, except plug- that there is a Wine for Normal People book that is available oh, widely. Okay. <laughs> so tell us about your book. It is... What's it called? Wine for Normal People. You keep making me say that, don't That's you? Right. Good for you. We've got Wine- to get up to 15 mentions in, in the interview. Is that, is I'm that under the- contract to make you say that. Okay, is that the pivotal Just thing? Just re- give me the name of the book again. Wine for Normal People. Wine okay. for Normal People. <laughs> and who, and, who, and it's, you wrote everything. I wrote everything. Um, available online, in it print. Is, uh, it is available by on Kindle, if you have that, or it is... Is, um, it's also a hardcover book and um, beautifully designed by Chronicle Books, and it is available everywhere you get your books, the independent booksellers to uh, the and, big guy. And if we want to sign up to one of your classes, how do we do that? Wineformnormalpeople.com forward slash classes. I do t- teach on live online classes. It's a little harder for people in Europe, but it really works out well for people in Singapore Seriously? and in Australia. Oh, yeah, because I teach them at night in the U.S., and so it's the morning or mid-morning or afternoon. So that's just you, that's not your husband with you? No, 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 no. Is he a good student though? No, remember I told you, he no, just but he must have learned something. I don't I don't really think so. I really don't. Do you want me to cut this bit out when we do the edit? No, it's okay. Is he going to listen to this? No, uh, yeah, he probably will listen to it, but he know, he thinks... We'll he, put a disclaimer it, in there. It's okay. We've got a great legal team. It's okay. I'm all right with it. He's okay. Well, after two I'm kids, how long have you been married? Uh, Ten years. How long does it feel? Uh, 50 years. Great. On that yeah. note, we would like to say thank you to Elizabeth. Wine for normal people. Why don't you do marriage for normal people? That could be your next sideline podcast. I'm no expert on that. Mum's for normal, yeah. No. Okay. Marriage? Not you only had one. No, yeah, that's true. Yes, yeah, you have experience. One. Yeah. I've had like thousands of wines. I no. thought you just say thousands of marriages, though. No, this is no, no, no. Good. Just one. Just one. And two babies. That's not enough. Yeah, I'm not married. One baby for me. Okay. So, so we're happy. There we go. All right. That's a very gentle note to end on. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming in. You've been bubbly and also very, very informative. And I think you've got a great business model. And I love the way your husband says, and I'm just a normal... Can you say what he says? I can't do an American accent. I'm just a wine-loving normal person. There you go. And he sounds like he is. I mean, he's a great great fool for you. So um, lucky for you professionally and amorously. Yes. Indeed. We look forward. You can come back anytime you want. Well, thank you. And I'm looking forward to having you on my show. Okay. Next. Oh, yeah. You've got to do me, haven't you? I'll yeah. rephrase that. Sorry, I forgot. <gasps> wow. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you'll ask better questions than me, though, I think. I have a lot of substantive questions you. have got, like, four you. pages, haven't you? A I, big I, do, folder. I do have a lot of questions for you. Really? Don't ask me anything about numbers. Uh, I'm not going to, but I have yeah. a lot of questions Anything for that you. requires any kind of memory? No. It's all things that you know. Don't worry. You can ask me about my pet nat or something, am I? Yeah, I'm going to ask you about your pet nat a little bit. I want to say thanks to my guest today, Elizabeth Schneider, Wine for Normal People. I think your approach is wonderful. Thank Seeing you. things from, literally from the, the guy or the lady on the street. Yep, 
Mukaoji. Thank you. More power to all of us. Thank you. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.